We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Wire Network. I am Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat. Jace, I feel like so much has happened since the last time you and I recorded an episode together. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jace, but I don't even believe we talked about the booing of Jerry. We, we did not. Yeah, <laughs> we did not. I, I brought it up briefly in the pod I did last week uh, with Esfandiar, but uh yeah you were not here and i know you because i brought up your column um uh, on com where you just took a blowtorch to the bulls and just their stupidity so if yeah if you want to get a, a quick takeoff uh, Jace, about what that i was gonna say we... is we're not yeah. here to rehash that yeah <laughs> uh, i did a podcast with longtime local journalist ben javorski on the subject so you could check that out on his podcast if you search for my name, uh, but that just goes to show how long it's been since you and I last recorded a podcast. Um, also in that time frame, Zach Levine went down with an, with an injury. He's out for one to two weeks with a right ankle sprain. Uh, so the Bulls playing without Zach. They picked up a win against Memphis, a Memphis team without John Morant, without Desmond Bain, without like five other guys. Marcus Smart. That game, uh, their first game with this new Levine injury, 125-96. That was on Saturday. And most recently on Monday, the Bulls lose to the Phoenix Suns, 115-113. What else is happening in the NBA right now, Jason? Well, Adrian Griffin has been fired despite the Milwaukee Bucks owning the second best record in the NBA. I thought that was a sharp move by the Bucs. Uh, also, Terry Rogier going from the Hornets to the Miami Heat. That trade caused me to have a full-scale breakdown of why the Miami Heat are choosing to acquire Terry Rogier instead of Zach Levine. Well, there's the money, there's the injury status. There's the fact that nobody in the NBA wants Zach Levine right now. Uh, so a lot going on, Jace. Bulls currently 21 and 24 after the loss 
to the Suns. If the season ended today, they would be in ninth place in the Eastern Conference. They would open the play-in tournament against the Atlanta Hawks, and then they would play the loser of the Pacers versus the Magic. That's just what the standings look like right now. But, Jace, as I look at the top six of the East, in order it goes Celtics, Bucks, Sixers, Cavs, Knicks, Heat. I kind of think that that's what it could be at the end of the season. Obviously, the Cavs have had a very strange run of success here without Darius Garland, without Evan Mobley. They're getting contributions uh, up and down the bench right now to go on a nice little winning streak uh, while some of their guys are hurt. But, but, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if those are the top six of the East and the Bulls are fighting their way into the play, the playoffs via the play in tournament. Of course, Jason, as we record this right now, the trade deadline is two weeks away, I believe February 8th. And uh, I think, you know, Zach Levine trade might be off the table right now. How does that affect DeMar DeRozan, who's an expiring contract after this season? Uh, will the Bulls, you know, try to resign him? Will they decide that if Levine's salary is on the books, that they have to let DeMar go? Does that mean they trade him before the deadline? There's also going to be uh, plenty of talk about Alex Caruso, though I do not anticipate the Bulls will trade him because they're idiots and they just <laughs> seem to have no interest in trading him. So, Jace, lock going on with the Bulls right now. How are you feeling about the team at this very moment? Um, well, they're certainly in an interesting spot, I guess. They're more interesting. Uh, they they are they are clearly in the top like nine for sure. You look at the teams below them. The Raptors like the bottom has fallen out. They made their trades. Uh, they played like a little bit better. I feel like after the OG trade, but now I mean they're down to like I think eleven or twelve games under five hundred. The Bulls beat them last week. Um, uh, they, another clutch game that the Bulls won. Uh, the Bulls went down four in the fourth quarter, and then they. Pulled it out. Uh, the Raptors kind of just fell apart offensively. Uh, the Bulls made some timely baskets. They got another close win, and then they've just been kind of falling apart. The Hawks, uh, I think they recently went on a three-game winning streak, but like they're just not very good either. The Nets just lost the Knicks. They blew another fourth quarter. The Nets are just a complete joke. Like, uh, what are what are they? They are, I think, eleventh right now. I'm going to pull up the standings right now, but uh, the Raptors are. 16 and 28. The Bulls are four and a half games clear of them. Like at this point, like there's almost no concern about them. The Nets just dropped to 17 and 26. That the Bulls are three games clear of them. Again, the Nets just they the net last game they played, they gave up a 22 to 0 run against the Clippers. The, the Nets, I think, scored like the first 16 points of that game. Uh, and then like they were kind of controlling it all throughout, and they were up huge in the fourth quarter and they were up with like 11 with like, I think five and a half minutes left. And then the Clippers close on a 22 zero run tonight. Again, the Nets blow a pretty sizable lead against the Knicks and the Knicks pulled it out late. So the Nets have just completely fallen apart again. They're down to 17 and 26. And then I mentioned the Hawks, they're 18 and 25 bulls are two games up on them. There's DeJounte Murray trade rumors. It sounds like he's almost certainly going to get traded, uh, whether it's the Lakers or if it's somewhere else, but so the Bulls are seemingly pretty firmly in ninth and could possibly move up into eighth. The Magic have also just kind of been free falling since I uh, remember they got off to that 14 and five start. They've dealt with some injuries. Franz Wagner missed a bunch of time. He just returned, but they're down to 23 and 21. So, again, they've gone from 14 and five to 23 and 21. I mean, that's nine and 16 since that hot start. The Bulls are only two and a half games behind them. The Magic did beat the Bulls twice. So like right now. Um, they do have that tiebreaker, um, but 
the Bulls could possibly get up in, in, into eight. The Pacers are 24 and 20. They've lost three games in a row. Uh, I think once Halliburton gets healthy and they work Siakam and they'll probably be fine. They'll almost certainly be better than the Bulls. The Heat have kind of been slumping lately too, but they they make the Rozier trade to help their, their slumping offense. And um, I would assume that they'll end up with a better record than the Bulls. So like the Bulls clearly in the top nine, I would say. Like I at this point, I think they're clearly better than the Hawks, better than the Nets, better than the Raptors. Possibly some mobility up to eight. Probably no higher than that unless these other teams really fall apart. The top five are right now are pretty uh pretty set right now. The, the Knicks have been playing great without uh since the or since the OG trade. The Cavs, as you mentioned, they've won eight in a row. Uh, and that's without Mobley and Garland. I mean, yeah, I mean Donovan Mitchell's been incredible. Uh like the other night they got Sam Merrill hit like seven or eight threes off the bench and they just blew out, I think it was the Hawks or whoever it was. Like and they and they've beaten the Bulls twice without without those two guys who've been out for a while. So the Cavs, uh, after a slow start of the season, they've kind of hit their groove. It'll be interesting to see how they play when those guys come back. Um, but I mean they're pretty I think I think that pretty top five is pretty set. Six and seven, probably the Heat and Pacers are probably gonna stay there. So Again, Bulls gonna be a playing team almost almost certainly unless they somehow go on like a crazy run. Um, but I mean, right now their ceiling is probably again getting losing to the Celtics or Bucks in the first round is probably is probably their ceiling right now. Uh but still kind of interest interesting. You look at last night's game, which was absolutely insane, um, against the Suns. Bulls went up by 23. They played maybe their best like two and a half quarters of basketball last night against the Suns. Uh, Suns were on a second of a back-to-back. They had beaten the Pacers, who didn't have Halliburton the night before. Uh, but the Bulls were just running them off the court, moving the ball, open shots all over the court. I mean, they started so hot from three. Alex Crusoe, Kobe White, uh, Io was killing them in transition. KD couldn't hit a shot. <laughs> and I tweeted like when they, when they went up like 20, whatever it was, 23 in the third quarter and it looked like they were going to run away to an easy victory. I was like, all right. Like I made the comment about how like, Oh, it's becoming indisputable that the bulls are better without this version of Zach. We've seen this year. And then just maybe like better without him in general. Uh, and I'm also mentioned how like this might be the worst game of Katie's career that I've like ever seen that I've ever like seen him play literally from there on the Suns come back. Uh, they use the end of the third quarter to go on a big run to tighten up the game. Kevin Durant, absolutely insane the rest of the game i think he went something from like four of 15 to four to 16 he like missed his first six or seven threes but short arming everything looked like a tired performance and he made most of the rest of his threes he ended up with what 41 42 points and just the game winner he hit at the end uh the double clutch when it looked like crusoe was gonna block him uh over patrick williams as well i mean just an all-time great shot from an all-time great player um, and then there was a lot of other weird stuff going on there in that fourth quarter, uh, with some of the weird ref stuff with the DeMar and Grayson Allen, uh, play like, uh, I thought the DeMar, the calls was right. I did not realize, I think our guy, Cody Westerland pointed this out. Like if there's an offensive foul, like you can't score a basket because it's because the DeMar shot, he shot it and then pulled down on Allen. So like, yeah, probably a foul on DeMar, but I thought since it was after he had released the shot, oh, the baskets should count. Cody pulled up the rule book and pointed out why it didn't. So like seemed like a shady call, but like, I think probably by the letter of the laws, it was fine. I didn't see the last two minute report. Um, did you see that today? If that was ruled correct, I meant to look that up, but I didn't see that today. No. Yeah. I should, we I should probably pull that up. And then there was the, the other player with the, the bulls down two after the, the Katie 
shot. They go for a lob to Patrick Williams to try to tie the game. And he was fouled in the air, but for some reason they did not call that um, a shooting foul. And then DeMar missed the game winning three pointer. I'm going to pull this last two minute report up right now. Um, So like, the Bulls looked so good for so long, and again, their their bench, the the like Demar and bench unit did not do well in the third quarter. Uh, Andre Drummond and Drew Eubanks were like going at each other, and Drew Eubanks was like, after taking multiple shots to the chest from Drummond, like Drew Eubanks was just like fed up with him, gives him a hard foul. Andre Drummond goes after him, gets teed up, and after that, Eubanks was just fired up for like the rest of his the rest of the game. And he was like he was mean mugging Drummond multiple times, uh, made a huge impact off the bench. Like he kind of helped turn the game around before Katie kind of finished the job there. Uh, so like that was kind of funny. All right, I'm gonna pull. I'm pulling up this last minute report right now. So we got the let's see, Drew Eubanks, Grayson Allen. Uh, I can't remember what time that was. Grayson Allen, Demar. Uh, looks like correct no call. Allen legally contests DeRozan's jump shot, making high five contact over the ball is least. I think that's the one. Um, so yeah, it seems like they said that was a correct no call. This one here's one that I noticed in real time. It didn't. I don't think. It, I don't think the Suns scored on this possession. Katie took like nine or 10 seconds to get the ball across the court uh, with like a minute to play on one of the Suns' final possessions. Very obvious eight-second violation. The last two-minute report did note that that it should have been called. Again, I don't think the Suns scored on that possession, so it didn't really matter. Um, but yeah, it looks like nothing there about like the Grayson Allen-DeMar call being wrong. Um, and then this last I mean, one. How about two. the Pat Lobb? I mean, yeah, here we go. Watch the game. So I already knew that these two controversial non calls happened or two controversial calls happened. But man, seeing that play uh, play out, I couldn't believe that they called that foul to Pat on the floor and not a shooting foul. So here it is. They say After that was a correct call. Kata Bates Diop initiates a legal body contact with Williams as he attempts to get the pass, but the contact occurs before Williams touches the ball, so it was not deemed a shooting foul. So last two-minute report does not say the Bulls got screwed on that last play. It sure seemed like it. that's a bang-bang call. Um, and they actually said that Patrick Williams should have been called for an illegal screen um, on De- DeMar's last shot, but... Ultimately, they said those were the right calls. The one that they missed was missing the KD eight-second violation. But again, I don't think that one ended up having an impact because I don't think the Suns scored on that play. But ultimately, it was a really good game, high-level game. The Bulls played great, again, for most of the game. Like the, The fourth quarter, even though the Bulls lost, like, they did well in crunch time offensively. We saw DeMar hit some clutch baskets, Kobe White some huge baskets. He had that three off the, I think Caruso like airballed the three, the Bulls got an offensive rebound and Kobe had to launch, chuck up a shot at the end of the shot clock, drilled it to tie the game. He had several other driving baskets. This was maybe, I'm not gonna say it was the best game of Kobe's career, but it was, I think up there near triple double. I think he was like 26, 10 and nine. He was 10 of 14 from the field. Uh, I think four or five from three, something like that. Uh, Just complete, complete control of the game and several just like, Absolutely nasty drives to the basket with his hesitation dribble. Uh, he took Duran off the dribble, I think it was multiple times. He got, I think, Yerk, uh, Nurkic, he got him with, like, he turned the corner going left around a pick and roll. And he and then he, like, did the little hesitation thing and, like, took the contact and still finished uh, with that contact. Like, it was just an incredible Kobe White game. And that was from the start. Like, from the, the first quarter, the Bulls were just on fire and... It was because Kobe White was just doing everything. He was hitting threes. He was creating open threes for others, getting scoring inside the lane. Just an absolute 
great performance from Kobe White. So like while it was a tough loss to swallow because of how well they did play for almost all of it, like the Kobe White stuff is just continually fantastic to see. Um, he also, I think, hit some big shots in that Raptors game from what I remember down the stretch too. So like uh, seeing Kobe just continue to play at such a high level and doing hitting big shots in, in crunch time and getting the, these opportunities. I know a lot of people probably would have liked to have seen him take that last shot instead of DeMar. Again, I mean, that's like a desperation shot. So like it seemed like they ran the play for DeMar. Could they have run it for Kobe? Sure. Why not? But like whatever, 1.6 seconds left, you're kind of almost taking anything there or whatever's open. Uh, but I mean, we saw Kobe hit with the ball in his hands a lot in crunch time. And like DeMar, they both Kobe and DeMar hit big shots in crunch time. The Bulls, for the most part, executed really well in crunch time. There was just Katie hit some ridiculous shots, and there was one possession. Uh, they failed to get a, a rebound, and that turned into a KD three-pointer, and that was a huge, a huge dagger. So ultimately, the Bulls played a great game outside of like one stretch. Uh, they just got beat by, again, an all-time great in Kevin Durant who caught fire uh, and hit shots, and that was it. I mean, we the Bulls have won so many clutch games lately, and some of that was we saw the Raptors. Fall down. They 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 couldn't hit anything out of stretch. They the Raptors missed like their last like seven or eight three pointers. Several wide open ones down in crunch time. Gary Trent Jr. missed a wide open one that would have put the Raptors up five. IQ missed one in like the last minute or two that would have put them up a couple points. Uh, like the the Spurs game that the Bulls had to come back in late. Like the Spurs melted down offensively. Like clutch time can be so there can be a lot of volatility volatility with clutch performances and stuff like that. And the Bulls have been so good in the clutch this season, or since basically that first Zach injury. And their defensive rating in the clutch is something I've been harping on. Like uh, recently, especially that uh, they their defensive rating is like the best clutch defensive rating. Last night, Katie hit shots. Other games we've seen other teams not hit those shots. Uh, so sometimes that stuff just kind of evens out. And unfortunately, the Bulls were on the short end of that against the Suns. But I mean, they played a great game overall outside. Again, one little stretch there in the third quarter when the Suns kind of got back in it. But um, overall, it was a really fun game to watch. And the Bulls looked just really good uh, again without Zach for, for most of that game offensively. Um, and just really interesting to see. Uh, and it, again, it's something that just like does not help is when we talk about Zach Lynch trade value. And we'll talk about that more. But like. It is just very interesting to see, like, in general, like, even without him. I know the record isn't great now without him. I think it's something like 11 and 9. They just look so much better. I know they, I mean, they beat the Grizzlies by 26 or whatever. And the Grizzlies are so banged up, and you should beat a team like that at home, Zach or no Zach. But just in general, we've seen so a lot of examples now this season of the Bulls just looking mo- so much better without the version of Zach we've seen this year, and who just has not been the version of Zach, the, the best version of Zach. So, uh, we'll see how much longer he misses. I think I saw that he's joining the team in LA, but I I don't think he's going to play from what I on Thursday. Like, uh, I'm su- I'm sure he's there to whatever meet with Chris, uh, Rich Paul or something and and do the whole LA thing. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how long he misses, especially with the trade deadline coming up. And if he does continue to miss more games, how the Bulls continue to play without him if they just keep looking better even if like the bulls at lakers if lebron is back i know he's out tonight will be a really tough game but um again yesterday they looked really good without him for the most part besides one little stretch so crazy game overall yeah that was a super entertaining game uh i totally agree that kobe just continues to prove how good he is we've talked about how he leads the nba in like spot up possessions this year and has been so good on those possessions You know, he's also showing that he could be a very good lead ball handler. And that's always what made Kobe so appealing, even 
back to the time when he was coming out of the draft at North Carolina was his ability to play on or off the ball. He could be off the ball, a high volume, accurate three point shooter and on the ball. If he's not exactly like a primary engine type, he's someone who could definitely break down the defense off the dribble, get into the paint, make the right reads. And that's the area of his game that we've really seen grow over you know, last year when he was in a backup role coming off the bench behind IO. And then especially this year, he was just cooking people uh, with his hesitation dribbles in the Phoenix game. Some of those moves he was pulling off, he just would have been totally incapable of doing a couple of years ago. And I was thinking that while watching Patrick Williams fumble the ball a few times in that game, like, these were the type of uh, sort of like rudimentary ball handling skills that Kobe had at the beginning of his career. And then Kobe has just gotten so much better. Obviously, Kobe's a natural guard. He's always had the ball in his hands. Pat is, uh, you know, power forward sized in today's NBA, despite the fact that he did play point guard in high school. He just doesn't really have uh, the guard skills that Kobe has, which is totally understandable. But man, if they could get Pat to... Uh, see the same development in terms of ball handling that Kobe made, you would have to think that uh, that would have a huge benefit for Pat's career. Uh, And Kobe just, you know, he saved the season, Jason. He's given us a reason to care about the Bulls this year. He's given the Bulls the ability to actually have a chance to qualify for the playoffs. Without this star turn from Kobe, they're not even in the play-in race, really. And I know the bottom of the East is pretty weak, but... Uh, you know, they'd be looking at go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, they'd probably be what three, four games worse. They'd, I mean, if, if they were safe, three, yeah, three games worse, they'd be 18 and 27. Uh, which would be, yeah, I mean, that'd be behind the, I mean, they'd probably, they'd still be in the race because these other teams are such shit. Uh, but like, I would say at least three or four games, probably difference if Kobe was just like pretty good, like, if he. Would just like whatever he obviously started the year bad, but if he was just like back to like, hey, like he's a pretty good point guard, but like, and that's it. Like I would bet like that it would be like a three or four games difference, especially because they've won so many close games. Like Kobe being so good, and especially in some of these close games, has been the difference and just a lot. Like having that other guy who can just make plays down the stretch and do good stuff. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I interrupted. Jason, how are you feeling about the Bulls' defense right now? Because I know Zach Lowe wrote something in his column about the Bulls' defense uh, a couple weeks ago. I could, like, read oh, off last week. Yeah, what Zach wrote. I'll just do it real quickly. Yep. So this was on ESPN.com. Uh, insider Zach Lowe's 10 Things column. He wrote, the Bulls finished number five in points allowed per possession last season. The biggest question entering this season was whether they could replicate that or if it was born or if it was born of random bad opponent shooting. The Bulls are 15th now and 11th since December 1st, a season-saving stretch in which they had gone 14-9. and nine. Jason, we can't escape 14-9. and nine. <laughs> It continues to stick with the Bulls. Uh, I'll continue. But a look under the hood reveals structural issues, including an avalanche of opponent threes. A full 41.6% of opponent attempts have come from deep, the largest figure in the league. Only seven teams have allowed more shots around the basket. The Bulls are not coaxing threes as a means of cutting off the paint. Something is getting lost in translation from coaches to players because the Bulls don't appear to have any consistent idea for when and where to help away from shooters. That's a, and then he has like a couple clips uh, cut up in here and he'll say, that's a basic pick and roll with two shooters 
On the weak side in one, Lonnie Walker the fourth in the strong side corner. The rules on that don't change much from defense to defense. One weak side defender slides in to bump the roller. The second defender zones up between the two shooters. Walker's defender, Kobe White, stays at home. DeMar DeRozan sinks in on Dorian Finney-Smith, but White mimics that same rotation. We usually talk about spacing in relation to offense, but there is bad defensive spacing too. White and Nikola Vucevic almost collide in triple-teaming Andrew Wiggins. Vooch slides away from Kavan Looney. Fine. Why is White abandoning? Clay Thompson in the corner. So, uh, the Bulls allow a ton of threes. Their whole strategy <laughs> is basically to just let teams take as many threes as they can, and hopefully they miss them. <laughs> the Bulls will get out and contest them. Uh, but, you know, I think they're 29th or 30th right now in terms of three-point attempts in the league. So, Teams are getting up a ton of threes against the Bulls. It's funny that, to me, their defense has never really been the problem, in part because you would expect a team with the Bulls' personnel to not be a great defense. Also, we just saw them be a top-five defense last year. So uh, there's just, like, a history on that end of the ball with Billy Donovan, who's consistently coached teams to top-ten defenses. A large part of it is because Alex Caruso is a madman and is able to like cover, you know, huge parts of the floor all by himself and be able to cut off, uh, you know, passing lanes, be able to defend multiple positions. Caruso, obviously a true magician on the defensive end. Jace, if the Bulls are going to go on a little bit of a push to 500 and maybe above, you would think that they're going to have to get it done on the defensive end. Uh like that being their bread and butter. What do you make of the Bulls' defense right now after that Zach Lowe column, after watching the way KD torched them? And, uh, yeah, I don't know if there's any defensive strategy on earth that could have contained Kevin Durant on Monday night, but uh, the Bulls' defense is something I've been thinking about a lot lately, so curious for your take on that. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I mean, this is something we talked about last year. I mean, was like, I feel like we were just like, how the hell are the Bulls doing this? Like, and I had I had tracked last year that there there was a, str- a long stretch last year where like the opponent three point shooting was just like comically bad, and like that played a part into it. it. Was like there was like I don't know if it was like a month or two where it was like sub thirty percent. Like the Bulls were giving up a lot of threes, like they are this year, and opponents were just not making them, and it was just like. And it felt like the Bulls were just like the defense was, I wouldn't say a fraud because I don't think, because I think they were still like decent overall, but like probably not like top five good, but like 
if teams actually made like a normal amount of threes, like that, like for what they were giving up, like maybe more like top half of the league. And I think that's probably a bit more like where they are now. Like again, borderline top 10 middle of the league. Like I don't, they're clearly not a disastrous defense because guys like Alex Crusoe, because guys like Patrick Williams, um, IO, like we see, we see them make plays defensively and they force a shit ton of turnovers too. Like with deflections we saw with IO yesterday, IO picked Devin Booker. I feel like more than once. There was at least one read just, Basically stole the straight from him and, and got a layup. Like they did a great he job was on back to back possessions. Yeah. In that I thought his defense was awesome. The they did a great job on Booker. Booker was just like nowhere to be found for much of that game. Obviously, KD was kind of doing most most of it, but like down the stretch, it was like all KD and then like a little Bradley Beal. It, there was like no Devin Booker because they the Bulls did a great job on him. Io uh did a really good job on him. So the Bulls do have some like good defenders at the point of attack who can make up can kind of help make up for some of the other issues that they have with the rim protection uh, and uh, the other guy, whatever DeMar and some of the other just like lesser defenders on their roster. Uh, and the, again, the turnovers help. The bulls are a pretty good rebounding team. I don't think they don't get beaten like transition, like for transition baskets. So, like they're able to cut out a lot of stuff that like helps, helps them. And like when the game slows down, like at the end of games, like having a guy like Crusoe who can blow up plays. I mentioned how their clutch defense is, was the I haven't looked after last night because again the Suns did well in the clutch last night, but uh, heading into last night the Bulls had the best clutch defense in the NBA, like and the Bulls have played the most clutch minutes in the NBA, um, and like especially since Zach went out, like their defensive rating was like nine, like low nineties, uh, in the clutch, um, but I do think some of that was also pure luck because I think the stat I had seen was that opponents were shooting six of thirty nine from three in that stretch in the clutch minutes. And again, I mentioned the Raptors game, the Spurs game, like in that Spurs game, Vooch hits that three uh, to put them up four. And then they give up a wide open three to Devin Vassell on the other end guy misses it. I think Vassell went like O of eight or O of seven. He, he was he just had an awful shooting game. So like the bulls have get, definitely gotten some three point opponent shooting luck in some of these close games. Uh, but like that doesn't explain all of it. So then they have some good guys. Ha- Again, I mentioned they have some elite defenders at the, who help kind of mitigate some of the issues. But you talk about that the, the the low column and that shot diet. They're giving up that many threes and giving up shots at the rim. Like you probably shouldn't have a borderline top ten defense. So there probably is. I think our, our guy Kevin Farrigan has mentioned in our Bulls DM chat that like if you looked at like expected uh, like field goal percentage or expected like points allowed like per shot like what the bulls like should be giving up like it's much worse uh than what they are so again that's some shooting like uh, opponent shooting like variance and shooting luck that's benefiting them but again they do do some other things and like even if that number was like a little higher and some teams were making a few more shots like i don't think the bulls defense would be terrible or anything like that because they're not that bad like they still do some good things but uh they probably have gotten the benefit and some of these close games, especially in yeah, if it, whatever Gary Trent hits that three in that Raptors game, like the Bulls might lose that game. And that could be the difference kind of just showing how thin like the margin is with this Bulls season. Like they're right now, they're 21 and 24 uh, between like the defense getting and winning all these close games and like the Kobe star turn, like such a thin margin between them being 21 and 24 and like 15 and 20, like whatever eight or whatever that would be if they had a few more losses because of this, these close games. So like, um, ultimately the Bulls defense is probably fine. Uh, maybe getting a little lucky, but they're, they also, again, they do do some things. Well, uh, again, it is fun to watch Caruso and IO, uh, when they're kind of rolling, uh, defensively. And again, Pat has gotten better defensively too. So, 
ultimately, I don't think it's like a total liability, but th- there clearly are times where they give up a lot of open threes and you're just kind of, you're, you're pulling the mat with floor when uh, Anders Carlson goes out for a field goal. You're just praying uh, that they're going to, that they're going to miss it. And th- obviously in that case, he prays that he was going to make it. And Anders Carlson did not make that clutch field goal and the Packers lost RIP to them. Uh, but in these cases, we're just, we're just praying that opponents are going to miss, miss their three pointers. And they had been in the clutch. Did not do it last night. Kevin Durant just absolute buried them in the clutch last night. So, Jace, as we do this podcast on January 23rd, the Bulls 21 and 24, the upcoming schedule looks pretty favorable there, but it's a lot of road games. So they're at the Lakers on Thursday, then at Portland, who's suddenly a little bit feisty right now. Almost beat the Thunder tonight. Uh, they almost beat the Thunder. They lost by two to the Thunder tonight. So at Lakers, at Portland on Sunday. Then they are home against the Raptors on Tuesday, on the road against Charlotte on Wednesday to close out the month. They open up February, home against Sacramento, home against Minnesota, on the road against Memphis, on the road against Orlando, on the road against Atlanta and Cleveland. So that will take you to the all-star break right there. Uh it seems like Levine will probably try to come back before the all-star break based on the injury timeline. Yeah. Uh, I think we could safely assume that, but what's he going to look like? I mean, he tried to come back in that Toronto game and he just clearly didn't have it. Uh, The bulls are now in a spot where like, is there any hope of them being able to trade Zach Levine before the trade deadline? I am now becoming a Levine doomer. And I am just envisioning the worst case scenario here, which is that nobody wants Zach Levine. The Bulls will never be able to get rid of him. Uh, Certainly not with what I believe is three and a half years left on his contract at the moment. He has three seasons after this, I think. And the, you know, the thought of the Bulls making a good Zach Levine trade, I thought went out the window a long time ago. At this point, they can't make any Zach Levine trade. I would love for them to get rid of Zach because it just feels like Zach has moved on. And it's like sort of like when a relationship is falling apart, like, yeah, you could try to salvage it. But at the end of the day, both parties kind of know it's over intrinsically. And at that point, it's best to just separate. Um, The other thing that kind of worries me with Zach is like, I don't know, Jace, look at his numbers this year. He has not been that good. Yes, Zach Levine does have a long track record of being a very good player in the recent past. He has not been a good player this year. His numbers are down across the board. Uh, and, you know, if you've watched or paid attention to the Bulls at all, you've seen this play out. Zach has not been the same guy. He is still only 28 years old. He turns 29, I think, in like a month or so right now. So these should be the prime ages of his career. Uh, it doesn't seem like the injuries that have hampered him this year are like going to be long-term injuries that are going to continue. This ankle, him, right? A foot, ankle. A foot and ankle, but we know that, uh, you know, the knee is the big thing with him. And while that has stayed healthy this year, you know, you wonder what the wear and tear on the on the knee could be as he's sustained other lower body injuries. So me right now, Jace, I'm feeling really down in the dumps about the Bulls potential ability to trade Zach in season. I'm almost starting to wonder, like, if he doesn't totally pick it up for the second half of this year, how the hell are they going to get rid of him 
even in the offseason. Who's going to take him with three more years left? We already know the market's non-existent. What team is going to be desperate enough to do that if he doesn't turn it on? Uh, so I'm in a bad place with that <laughs> right now. It feels hopeless. I want the Bulls to get rid of him because I'm starting to become skeptical that he can still be an all-star caliber player or at least, you know, put up all-star caliber numbers. Um, I mean, Kobe is just kind of like past him as like a guy on this team. Even when Zach came back, Kobe was still like putting up better numbers and like Zach was kind of deferring more. So like, it's just a weird situation. It's unfortunate how things have played out here. Uh, Zach has been a trooper for a long time with this franchise and does not have much to show for it. Does have the very nice contract to show for it. But in terms of like on-court success, obviously individual numbers, but one playoff win, one playoff game win, one play-in tournament game win, but that couldn't make the playoffs last year. Uh, So it does. I mean, they've been together a long time and there hasn't been that much success. So like at at a point, you just need to move on. And the fact that it is, I've mentioned this before, it's kind of crazy that he has been with this team for this long, given the lack of success. And at some point, like, uh, and just for the bull, for his sake, for the Bulls' sake, like, and they've done so little with this roster and they've kept this continuity thing going and they're, they're a mid team still. Like, again, they've looked better at times this season. And the Kobe star turn really, he mentioned Kobe saving the season. Like, he literally has, like, saved, like, any hope of this Bulls franchise and, like, any interest in the season because, Again, yeah, if he didn't, like the Bulls would be 10 games under 500, feeling absolutely hopeless about not only this season, but the future as well. So at least Kobe has kind of changed the tenor of that. But with Zach, yeah, it's like he's not as good. Uh, will he be as good? Will he um, uh, find his way back on this team? Like, And we just know, like, even whatever, like the, the fit with him, DeMar and Vooch just has never been that good. It's been mid, that's why we call him the mid three. So like, and now with Kobe kind of taking a star turn himself, like it just doesn't seem like Zach is just like, it's, I don't just know if he's ever going to be that guy get here. Maybe he could be on another team. But of course, if they trade him somewhere else, like I guess it could depend on where he goes and the market does seem barren. Like, will he be, will he be a two number two guy? Would he be a number three guy? Depending on, again, if he goes to a contender, um, yeah, I just don't, and like again, he's making a lot of money, and these this new CBA I think is probably also playing a role in these trade talks. And just like, does a contender who's already like got an expensive roster want to pay, want to make that trade for Zach making forty some million? And like his contract won't look that bad in the next couple of years as, as long as he stays healthy and can at least show like he can kind of get back to himself. But and as other guys get signed bigger contracts, but like. Sylvie, forty some million to be a third option, and if he's not quite the guy he was the last couple of years, like doesn't seem like teams are very uh, uh, excited about that kind of prospect of paying him for the next three or four years like that. So, like, hence why we're at where we're at with a dead trade market with him as, as he's also dealing with these injuries. Uh, the Bulls again, I feel like have undoubtedly they've at least looked better without him. The ball has moved more. They just look more fluid offensively. They just seem like they play together better. Uh, again, they they were what, what was it five and two or whatever they were when he did come back. I'm not impressed by that record. I mean, they barely beat. They had they beat the Hornets twice. One of those they choked a huge lead away and almost lost. They uh, won in overtime. The Rockets game choked a huge lead away probably should have lost in overtime he did hit some big shots in that game but rockets a terrible road team the spurs they need they choked a huge lead away needed to come back late uh 
And again, those are like those wins just didn't impress me. And then the Raptors game that they won, he got hurt early, did not play down the stretch. So like that game barely even counts. And he barely did anything in that game anyway. So like the record when he came back was good, but like they beat teams that they should have without with or without they would have beaten those teams without him. Like almost no doubt in my mind. They probably would have beat beaten them by more. So like the version of Zach we've seen, they just they're better. I mean, it's been a pretty long sample size now. They're better without this version of Zach we've seen. And I just don't know if the good version of Zach will come back. At, it at sucks, point. dude, because yeah. Zach was really good last year. Yeah. And it's of last easy season. to forget that now. If you remember last year, he was coming off the offseason knee yeah. procedure. He started the year very slow. But yeah. from December 1st on last year, over the final 60, 60 games of the year, Three quarters he of the season. averaged 26 points a game on 62.7% true shooting. League average is about 56%, let's say. So he was scoring a shit ton of points at a really efficient clip. He was also making about 39% of his threes on about seven attempts per game over that stretch. 60 games is a lot of games, Jason. That's why I was really optimistic on Zach coming into this season. I thought he was going to hit the ground running, and I thought he was going to kill it because the guy we saw at the end of last year was maybe the best we've ever seen him. I think his play-in game against uh, the Raptors, Raptors, the Heat one was bad. That was maybe the best game of his career. Yeah. What's so funny is you can't even find it in a game log right now because those games don't count in the official standings. If that is not the most Zach Levine thing ever, that his best game can't even be found in the official (laughs) NBA record books, I don't know what else is. Uh, but he was awesome in that Raptors game. He was then terrible in the, <laughs> the next playing game, and the Bulls ended up missing the playoffs, in part because of that and in part because they couldn't guard Max Struess, <laughs> who lit the Bulls up and then went on to a great NBA playoff run before signing a big contract with the Cavs over the summer. So uh, I really think this all comes back to the new CBA because when Zach signed that contract, Never did I think the contract would be so bad that it would be immovable. We saw Russell Westbrook have a much bigger contract uh, and be, you know, much later in his career arc, get traded basically, what, four off seasons in a row, essentially, Uh, the Thunder to the Rockets to the Wizards to the Lakers to the Jazz gets cut, ends up with the Clippers. That's just off the top of my head, but I think that's what happened with Russ. We saw John Wall get traded with a huge contract. We saw Blake Griffin get traded with a huge contract. So Zach is a 27-year-old at the time he signed that deal. Never did I think that the Bulls would be in this situation where Zach was playing so poorly that the team was seemingly worse with Zach on the floor and that the rest of the league had just decided, well, forget forget us offering you a bounty of draft picks for Zach Levine. We're not even going to give you our bad contracts for Zach Levine because that seems like the situation the Bulls are in right now. Uh, and I think it comes back to the CBA because the Bulls signed Zach to that contract basically like eight months before rumblings of the new CBA started to come out. The new CBA Uh, was essentially in response to the Warriors 2022 championship when they had this massive payroll and they won the championship. So now the new CBA wanted to sort of stop teams from putting together huge payrolls, more punitive second apron, luxury tax penalties. You can't aggregate salaries. Uh, There's just a whole bunch of other things. You can't like sign buyout guys. I think if you're open this over the second apron, 
I think is another thing. Yeah, this onerous penalties and stuff like that with this stuff. And so now, Levine, who's probably best suited as your second best scorer and third best overall player on a really good team, uh, him making $40 million a year, and you know it's only going up over the next few seasons, it's not a contract people want to take on. Right now, Levine is the 17th highest paid player in the league. Uh, you know, we've talked with a few of our uh, Bulls friends and people, some have thought that like, you know, he's paid like a second option. He's paid like a third option. And I used to say that too. I used to say, well, you know, really good second options get max contracts. Uh, Brandon Ingram, Chris Middleton, guys who are like sort of in the same tier as Levine. But I think it's the length with Levine. It's the fact that unlike those guys, he's, you know, only won one playoff game in his entire career. It's uh, lingering hesitations about the long-term viability of his knee. And it's the fact that the Bulls look a lot better without him right yeah. now. Yeah, so he just hasn't been good just, this season. <laughs> it's just been a perfect storm of shit yeah. <laughs> on Zach Levine. Yeah. And I tweeted this a couple days ago, and I truly believe it's true that uh, – you know, a lot of the narratives that have followed Levine throughout his career, I believe, were unfair. But unfortunately, they've all been proven true this season during the time when the Bulls were trying to trade him. And now he's under contract through, I believe, the 26-27 seasons. Uh, we already saw a player of, let's say, you know, equal goodness, similar goodness to Levine in the league hierarchy in DeJounte Murray sign an extension where he's making like 20 million less a year than yeah. Levine the end of that contract. I'm very interested to see what Pascal Siakam signs for as a free agent. I'm interested to see what Trey Young's next deal looks like. Uh, and even Trey, I think, is he's higher in the league hierarchy than Zach is. Siakam might be in somewhat of a similar place. He's a little older, too. I think he's, he's 29 older. or 30. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see how it plays out, man. But it now seems like a foregone conclusion that Zach Levine will be a member of the Bulls after the trade deadline. And that sucks. I'm not yeah. happy about that. And <laughs> I wish they could get rid of him. And I, you know, just one draft pick, some veteran, a decent looking young player. I would do that in a heartbeat. I think, would you have taken this heat package for Rozier? I was, was going to say, we should talk about the Rozier trade and kind of like how that fits into this whole thing. Uh, because the, this trade, Terry Rozier to the Miami Heat, because we have talked the longest time about how Zach would be a great fit for the Heat. But, uh, Rozier makes, I think, what, 24, 25 million. I mean, just make much less salary. Uh, he goes for Kyle Lowry, who seems pretty washed, uh, who I think was on like a 30 million salary or some, something around that. Um, and a, one protected first round pick. It's Lowry protected in 2027, becomes unprotected in 2028 uh, if it does not convey in that 2027. And that's it. That was, that's what it was. Kyle Lowry for and. A 2027 lottery protected first round pick for Terry Rozier, who has been a better player than Zach Levine this season, I believe. If you look at the numbers, uh, again, he was obviously on a terrible Hornets team, and uh, with and Lamelo Ball's been out, so maybe his numbers are a little juice there. But if, I mean, you look at him like you look at some of the advanced numbers, like, they're similar or at least better than Zach. So like, uh, like you wouldn't consider general like the last few years, you would not say, oh yeah, Terry Rozier is a better player than Zach Levine. Like you'd be like, no fucking way. Like absolutely not this season. Much more arguable, and we saw Terry Rozier almost single-handedly beat the Bulls in one of the first games that Zach came back. He almost had 40. He had a game-winning attempt uh, after that comeback, that big comeback they made, and he missed it. Um, and the Bulls ultimately won, but like 
the basically the only chance like the Hornets had like having games sometimes but, but when Lamelo was out was like Terry Rozier going on heaters and he had done it a few times and he did it against the Bulls and Bulls almost lost that game so like yeah that was expiring salary and a protected first round pick and that was it like I would probably still like want again like maybe at least the young guy in there as well uh to to go along with the pick. Um, to at least get two assets out of that, but again, it, it just doesn't seem like like again, it does, doesn't seem like the Heat had much much interest in doing again. It, it, if the bull like for a bull, we've talked about with the Bulls Heat trade, like it would be that pick basically similar, probably protections. I would guess would love it to be unprotected, but I doubt that would happen. It would have been Lowry's salary, and then like ideally, you'd be getting whatever. It wouldn't be Hakez. Obviously, he's basically untouchable now. Uh, maybe you get Jovic, but he sucks. He's play. He's been playing. I think he's been starting and. Like he's been playing like Keith Bogan's minutes and he's just not any good, but like maybe you still take a chance on a young guy like that, but it does seem like that's what it would, a trade like that would have been, but they didn't want to take on the salary. They good. They, and they get, and like the way that Rozier versus Levine has played this year, like you understand why <laughs> like Terry Rozier has been better and might just fit in better as a, maybe as a third or fourth guy. Uh, Cause again, like Zach ideally would be whatever that third or f- third guy. Um, probably on the heat to be like number two, I guess, depending on what him and Tyler hero, but like, would he fit in as well with it? Is it, was that what he wants to be? He has done it kind of lately with the bulls. He has not been nearly as aggressive and looking for his offense as a score, but, uh, so maybe he would buy in and fit in like that, but I understand why that he did it, uh, pretty cheap. I mean, I feel like it's a total steal to get Terry Rozier for what they traded for him. And, uh, I mean, that seems that seemingly takes a Zach Levine possible team off the table there. I actually like that trade for the Hornets too, because, you know, it's a lottery protected 27 pick and then it's unprotected in 28. So the heat are a team built around Jimmy Butler. He's five years old in this off season. It's totally possible. They're in the lottery in 27. You would think that Miami probably reloads through free agency, but we've seen them have down years before when they were built around Dion waiters and Hassan Whiteside. So Kelly (laughs) Olenek. I think it's totally possible that ends up looking like a pretty good pick for the Hornets. And I would have done that trade for them, like, you know, just for a lottery protected pick. But to get it unprotected in 28, that's spicy because those unprotected picks are really valuable. The Heat are kind of old. Who knows if Riley will still be involved in the organization at that point. So uh, it's just an interesting trade all around. And it sent me into hell, Jason, thinking... Terry Rozier is going for a package that maybe the Bulls would have taken for Levine. Uh, You wonder if Kyle Lowry will now be on the buyout market after the trade deadline. And if Kyle Lowry will be a bull to reunite with his BFF, DeMar DeRozan, uh, AK can, you know, pound his chest about how good they were after signing the buyout guy about how, you know, no addition could be more meaningful than what we did on the buyout market. That's literally what he said last year after they got Patrick Beverly. So uh, we're still in hell, Jason. This is just what it's come to. Yeah, I'm looking at, I mean, Terry Rozier's numbers this year. 23 points a game, 6.6 assists per game, four, 3.9 rebounds. He's shooting just under 46% from three, uh, from the field, just under 36% from three on the season. And that, and including a couple, he's had a couple huge duds the last couple of nights. He was, oh, he's... He is one out of his last 18 from three. Uh, so he's he is slumping a bit right now, but he's still scoring otherwise in some of these games. But uh, so like before this little stretch there, he was probably up 37, 38% from three. So he's had 
a really nice season again on a gar- absolute garbage team, but still pretty good numbers. Again, making much less than Zach Levine. So like, I understand why the Heat went after him instead, and it co- probably cost less than what the Bulls were looking for uh, for a player who's giving you as just as much value. I mean, Zach's and Zach's hurt right now. Like, there's the injury question. So it's like, I get it. And it's a, it's a bummer. I like if we've again we talked about Zach as a heat, possible Heat guy, and like I would would love to just see Zach playing with Jimmy and Bam out of bio. Just to like I think that'd be a fun like trio to watch. And if they still had Tyler Hero, like who knows? But um, it's off but the yeah, table now, Jace. Off the table now. Yeah, I do not think that's happening. So like otherwise, like again, like other teams, like the Lakers, it seemed like totally out. Dave McMenamin, ESPN. Went on was on Sports Center before one of their national TV games. I was like, not happening. The Lakers are looking for Jante Murray, who, as you mentioned, making way less, more of a two way guy. Although I think a lot of people are coming around to his defense might not be quite as good as his rep, but uh, he's hit ga- two game winning shots in the last week or so. He put up thirty some points the other night in a loss without Trey Young, who's got in concussion protocol right now. Like he's playing great. Jante Murray's playing really well right now. Uh, while Zach is is out and not playing that great when he has played, uh, so and he co- costs way less in terms of salary. So it looks like that might be the guy for the Lakers if they're able to pull that off. Um, yeah, it seems like Zach is just not an option. McMenamin again, he wrote a column today at ESPN, like looking at the Lakers' options. He was like, "Yeah, Zach Levine's not happening." So like again, could that theoretically still be posturing? Like if Murray went somewhere else, like with with could the could the Lakers return to that? to the Bulls and the, all right, maybe we will take on Zach if they're that desperate. But as of right now, it does not seem like they have any interest in a Zach Levine trade. And like, that's kind of been reported the whole time from, from Lakers sources. Uh, Joe Von Buha from the athletic has kind of said that the whole time. Like if we were, if they were looking at the Bulls, it'd be like DeMar and Caruso. Um, not really Zach. Uh, so like, I know a lot of the assumption is all oh, Zach, Rich Paul clutch. Uh, he's going to go. I, I think, I believe Jante Murray is also clutch, but like, a lot of yeah. people just assumed that like Zach was going to end up there. He wanted to go there. There's the clutch factor. He kind of he would help with what the Lakers are missing with their offense. But like, doesn't seem like the Lakers want that salary uh, on their books. Given their they got LeBron and AD there on big numbers, and they don't want to add the long term salary like that. So like that seems out. And we really haven't heard of anybody else. Like there's been like literally nothing else about like, any interest. We've heard of teams that don't want him, and now we see the Heat make a trade for not him. Uh, again, some of the other teams we've like brought up like. The, I mean, the Warriors, they're, they might be in such a shit spot where I just don't know if they would actually do that either. Again, long-term salary. They've been paying so much in luxury tax. Like, are, are they taking on Zach's salary when they're kind of just in the shit right now? Like, that team is going probably nowhere, even with Steph. Like, maybe they're desperate enough just because they still have Steph who's really good. But, like, it doesn't seem like it right now. And they do have some stuff that they can trade. Again, Chris Paul's expiring. Um, they have some interesting young guys that you can add some draft picks that they could trade. But again, it doesn't seem like they're, they're interested. We've talked about the Pistons. Jaden Ivey has been playing a lot better lately. I don't know if they're desperate enough to trade Jaden Ivey for Zach Levine at this point. Like, uh, So I don't know. Yeah, there's just like nothing there out there. There's nothing being reported about like any interest in Zach Levine like anywhere. So it's just we wait. He's hurt. We got just over two weeks until the deadline. Um I had thought all along that he was still going to get traded and maybe he still does again, as we get closer to the deadline and there actually is like some urgency from other teams. Maybe some team comes to the table, but right now it's looking more and more like he might actually stay on this team. 
for the rest of the season. If that does happen, like I just need him to suck it up, play ball, help the Bulls win some games because we need to hit that over mark and maybe they get into the playoffs. Um, and that's that. And uh, I guess like if we want to look at other like stuff, like it still seems like Caruso's not going anywhere. Still seems like tomorrow's not going anywhere, which as we've talked about, like they ha- they are playing better. They are going to be in the play-in tournament, almost certainly. But like you still have to think about maybe doing something here with these guys. I mean, are they just going to like, if they can't trade Zach to like, are they just going to roll with this team? Like, what are they going to do? Are they going to just not make any trades again? And just yes. like, and just like throw up our hands. Like, Oh, we couldn't trade Zach. We're just going to move forward with this group as, uh, and just like uh, go through another transaction period with no trades. Like, is that, is that what's going to happen again? That is what's going to happen, Jason. We both already know it's going to happen because AK is consistent on one thing, and that is deeply disappointing us at the <laughs> trade deadline. It's going to happen again. He's not going to do anything. He's uh doesn't want to trade Caruso. He doesn't want to trade DeMar. He can't trade Levine. And so this is it. This is going to be the team, just as it has been for the last Maybe three they'll trade Drummond to the Lakers. David Metaman mentioned Drummond. The Lakers might be interested in bringing Drummond. Please back. trade Drummond. That yeah. would be phenomenal if they could get some real value back for Drummond. And, you know, I like Drummond. I think he's a really good backup center on the minimum. But, like, very bad last night. <laughs> this Bulls team is going nowhere. Drummond got torched last night, and he's had several instances of this where he just gets played off the floor so easily because he's too slow and isn't attentive enough on the defensive end. If the Bulls could get a pick back for Drummond, man. Yeah. I would love that. Even if it's like multiple seconds, if it's yeah. a decent young player, there's some teams that could use depth in the front court. Please at least trade Drummond. Please. Yeah, absolutely. And like, again, we've talked about the Crusoe stuff ad nauseum. Like they need to explore the Mark Crusoe. All the reports, like, we love, we love the guy. He's, we know how good he is. But like, again, the bull ceiling this season is, is like at best, you're getting smoked by the Celtics or Bucks. So like, uh, while getting in the playoffs would be nice and I would love to watch some playoff games, like you're still probably not winning anything. And like next year, and then Caruso becomes an expi- uh, on the last year of his deal. Again, the value here is the two playoff runs for a contender and there should be contenders lining up for Caruso. It's like he should be on the market. If they can get two firsts or a first and a really good young player, like that'd be great. We saw right before you, you dug this up. You saw Sam Vecini, uh, tweet out a trade idea of Jalen Green for Alex Caruso, which would be a really wild trade. And, like, I'd have to really think about that. Was Jalen Green still very young? Was the number three pick a couple years ago? Like, kind of seen as, like, a Zach Levine. Like, hey, if, like, Jalen Green works out, like, he's Zach Levine. Uh, He just kind of sucks, though. But, like, again, I don't want to, like, totally put him down again. We've seen young players develop late. Development not later. We've seen Kobe White break out out of nowhere in year five. Um... Maybe Jalen Green does that, but like he has kind of sucked to start his career. So, like, would you trade straight up Alex Crusoe for Jalen Green? This Sam Vecini idea. Would you do that? You know what? I'm not sure if I would. I want picks back for Caruso. I don't want Jalen Green because you only have one more year of him. So you gotta pay contract, then you gotta pay him. We're already stuck with Levine. So no, I don't think I'd do that. I want picks for Caruso. But and I think there should there should be picks on the table. Like and we've seen like contenders would love to trade for him, but every all the reporting out there suggests the Bulls have no interest in doing it. That he's basically then Cowley called called him close to untouchable. I think that was him who said that. But I mean, from multiple sources, it's been uh across from reporters, like local sources, national, 
all they're hearing, Caruso's not going anywhere. That the Bulls just have no interest. And like that's stupid. I mean, again, that might be just like them driving a hard bargain. They're saying that like to maybe get that other teams like, oh, all right, we'll give you a little more for Alex Caruso. Like, and maybe that maybe that ends up happening. I think we both agreed that we don't think that's gonna happen. They're in the mix. That's good enough. They're gonna keep Caruso because he makes them a much better team. And then like the DeMar thing, uh again, just like I think we both think they're gonna bring him back and they're gonna they're gonna extend it. And that maybe not extend him, but try to resign him or if he goes to free agency, they'll resign him um, because he just has way more value to the bulls than like any other team. They'll be willing, be willing to pay him a decent amount of money. Um, how much that is, who knows or how long that contract would be, but like they should also be exploring the markets for tomorrow. Like I, I understand, like, I don't want to just trade tomorrow for nothing. And I don't know what like a team would be willing to give up. Um, like if that team was willing to give up again, like a kind of what the, like the Rozier deal, that he just got like if a team's willing to give you a pick like that like you really have to think about a trade like that what is a team i mean demar is still probably better than terry rozier i would think just like so like if a team i know he's older but like if a team would be willing to, to give up like a nice pick like that for demar like i think you would kind of really have to think about doing it but i don't think they're gonna do it they they love demar they, they he the demar makes them better like if you trade demar you'd be worse for sure uh, and they want to compete and they want to get in the play in and they and maybe have a shot, get, uh, getting into the playoffs. And like, that's good enough for them. And it's kind of keeping this thing as competitive as possible. Um, it's just the, I, I, we, I talked about this on the last pod when you were just like the bulls, we saw the Raptors, they find like, they waited too long to trade Siakam and Adenobi and they got, they still got like some decent, like I don't know, we trade to get RJ Barrett and like Emmanuel quickly out of that. Not bad. We'll see if RJ Barrett can keep it up. Like quickly is a nice young player. Uh, but for like what they were like looking for initially and like all the stuff about oh, we're looking for like three, four first round picks, and like again, first all first round picks aren't created equal. Uh so those picks could turn to be shit. But like if you're a good drafting team, that, that could turn out really well. Um the, the Raptors waited too long to kind of to kind of blow their thing up, and then finally they finally did it after like last year they they went in even more with that team and traded for Yaka Pertle and they lose in the play into the Bulls in embarrassing fashion and then this year they just sucked uh so they traded OG and they traded Siakam and they probably did not get as much as they could have gotten if they would have made that decision last year the concern here is that the Bulls are kind of following that same path where they're decent enough but they're going to just kind of roll with this guy these guys and they're going to just do it rebuild or retool rebuild whatever you call it too late we've kind of already seen it with Zach uh, might have been too late on that. Getting moving on from him is that the same thing going to happen here with Demar? Same thing that happened with like Vooch here again. Vooch is on a three year deal now, and uh, Vooch is having like an okay season. If you look at his efficiency numbers, they're not good. Uh, and if they wait too long on Caruso, the value won't make if they waited until next year to trade him or they let him hit free agency in a couple years, like, but you're still just kind of going along as a mid team, like, you're just worried that again. that they're just waiting too long. It's going to be too late when they realize, oh, like we have to change direction here. And that's, I think, the concern. But I think that we think that's what's going to happen because they're fine competing with where they're at, especially with Kobe looking better. They're like, oh, like we're we're competing. We're the ninth seed. We've been playing better without Zach. Like whatever their record is since that 5-14 start, they've gone from nine games under to three games, uh, three games under. Kobe looks like a future star. Like we're just going to keep this riding. We're going to, and we're going to see how it goes. And we'll kind of just ride it out. And like, in the NBA, you can't 
kind of be like that reactive. Like, yeah, I mean, we see, t- we, I mean, bringing the Adrian Griffin thing into it, like the Bucks are 30 and 13. They're, they have the second best record in the NBA, but we have kind of seen them, their defense sucks. And like, we've seen their offense be kind of icky at times, although they're like the second best, I think, offense in the league. They're, I think their offensive rating is like 120. So like, they're ultimately still really good, but 30 and 13, but they decided, you know, this guy's not good enough. And they move on, and they're the and the, they're the fucking second whatever second best team in the NBA or whatever the record wise is. Like, they're not not they're not satisfied. Their standards are really high, so they don't think this guy's the right guy for the job. So they move on after forty three games, and that's the second whatever second or third best team in the league, a team that won a championship a couple of years ago. Um, there was, uh, I think it was Bleacher Nation put together a thing about uh, tr- looking at like trades and transactions in the last like two or three years. The Bulls have made, I think it was. Was like what they've made like one trade. It's I think yeah, it's one trade since the 2021 offseason. It was the trade that they made for Julian Phillips. Otherwise, no trades. Most of the transactions are like 10 or like two-way guys and like kind of end of the roster. Some of that just like normal churn that every team does. And I feel like the Bulls haven't even done that that much. Uh and you look at some of these other contenders, like the Celtics, other teams, they're just constantly making moves because they're not satisfied. They're they're fine changing up rosters like we AK talks about all like making trades like disrupts your team and all this bullshit uh, and it's like no man like it's because other teams are like recognizing they have these weaknesses they need to address them they change their team obviously those some of these teams have better cores Jason Tatum Jalen Brown uh, but I mean they traded Marcus Smart for Porzingis like Marcus Smart a longtime Celtics guy uh, fan favorite been a really good player for a long time they're like you know what we need to change this up we need to bring in a big man a younger big man they trade for porzingis and the celtics i think we're towards the top of that list on transactions the bulls have just been so stagnant in like everything they do slow reactive and i think they they're i think probably going to do that again and it's going to probably come back to bite them i said kobe white has kind of saved their ass uh this season and has made them look a bit better Kobe's deals great, great value right now. Although it's a short-term deal, so like with him looking really good, like he's gonna be a free agency in a couple of years. Like I don't want to think about that right now, but like you just worry again that they are going to just realize it too late. I don't even say realize because I think they're just fine with probably where the team is right now and just like kind of ride it out. And it's like fine, I guess. But where is it all going? I don't know, man. <laughs> we know where it's going. It's going to either the Bulls have the twelfth pick in the draft. <laughs> Uh, as one of the best teams to miss the playoffs. And the Celtics beating them, or the Celtics beating their ass in the first Or they will be the worst team in the playoffs, and the Celtics will beat their ass. So that's where it's going, Jace. We already know how this story ends. But uh, in its place, we have a team that can win or lose any game when they take the floor. It just really feels like a coin flip. They have been, they have been bum slaying really well. Again, getting fortunate in some of these games, but what is it? Seven and O against or six and O I think against the Hornets and Spurs and they beat the Grizzlies, a a horribly banged up Grizzlies team. They beat their ass. So like seven O and against those teams, they obviously lost the one game to the Pistons, but they beat the Pistons in another game. So eight and one against basically those dregs of the league. Yeah. And Jason, I got the, uh, I got the full numbers here for teams. 500 and above the bulls are eight and 19 this year for teams 500 and below or below 500 13 and five so bump slaying there you go eight and 19 against good teams 13 and five against bad teams so you know is that enough to be competitive as ak would like to say it's apparently the only thing ak judges this team off of are we competitive do we have a coin flip chance to beat a good team 
one out of every five times. I mean, I guess so, man. I hope that helps you sleep at night. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they, they beat whatever. They beat the Sixers without with Embiid, who had 70 points last night. Uh, they beat the Bucks without Zach and uh, they've got like a few nice wins. Uh, they, they've been competitive against the Suns a couple times. Uh, so like they they have they compete they like they haven't gotten blown out I guess that much like the the Cavs beat their ass multiple times uh, of late and there have been a few other games but like for the most part they've competed they haven't lost like really any dog shit games like last year I feel like they lost a lot more just like shitty games against bad teams again they've come close this year that clutch luck again back to like the thin margin if that clutch luck wasn't quite as good this year like last year it flipped on them after the great. Uh, the 2021 season, like last year it flipped and like this year of late, it had kind of flipped back in their favor. Like a few of those games easily could have lost and the record would not look as good. And like, if they had lost a few, a few of those closer games and they were whatever, eight or nine games under 500, would, would they still just kind of be riding this out or would they actually look to make moves again? It's such a thin margin, uh, just a thin margin there. Like, are they going to take like, what lessons will they take from like, Hey, we, we won a few more clutch games this year, but like you again, you look at that record against good teams. They're not good against good teams. So like the ceiling just is not there, even with Kobe being so much better. So it's like they should recognize that they're not good enough and that they this core is not good enough. But yeah, it doesn't seem like they're gonna do do much here, especially with the Zach situation. So who freaking knows, man? Before we wrap up here, I do want to I mentioned the Griffin stuff. How do you feel about that? And there was a, a, some weird stuff going on here with it seems like the reporting about Doc Rivers it reported in the immediate aftermath um, of um, the Adrian Griffin firing that Doc Rivers was going to be their target. And reporting came out that Doc Rivers was informally consulting, uh, informally consulting Adrian Griffin before this firing. I think that was in the athletic report. Um, and that Doc is like the guy that they're going after. And then tonight it was reported somehow from like a quote cnn source that doc had been hired it looks like that is not the case uh because who knows like with that who would be reporting that at cnn over like woes or shams or or chris haynes who's been on top of this too obviously he's got the damn link so it seems like some weird shit happened there with about the bucks hiring doc rivers but it does seem like that's the guy they want and then he's it's going to end up being doc rivers in milwaukee and it seems like the players probably got together and said we're done with this guy adrian griffin first time head coach uh, weird hire to begin with for a team where Mike Budenholzer obviously had his, some of his flaws, but he did win a title. Um, obviously had some playoff issues. They flamed out last season against Miami, but uh, weird hire Adrian Griffin for a, for, for a team ready to win now um, for a first year coach. It was reported that a first time coach was reported that Giannis like was a Adrian Griffin backer today. Mark Stein and a subsec said that he basically, uh, Backed Adrian Griffin because he didn't want Nick Nurse to be the head coach, which is hilarious. Obviously, Nick Nurse having a success with the Sixers right now. We'll see how they do in the playoffs. But um, ultimately, it does seem like signs are pointing to Doc Rivers um, ultimately being the head coach of this Bucks it's Doc's team. Doc's job if he wants it. Yeah. Jason. So yeah. So Doc is yeah. Doc just went back to announcing he could just be like you know screw that I don't want to deal with this but I feel like he's probably going to get this job. Um, how do you feel? How do you feel about the Bucks making this move forty three games into Griffin's tenure? How do you feel about Doc Rivers taking over? Uh, possibly taking over again. It seems like it's going to happen. How do you feel about this? I think it was a great move by the Bucks. The Bucks were not one of the best teams in the NBA this year, despite their record. I think at the time of the firing, they were 10th in net rating. 
and they just didn't pass the eye test. They're barely beating the Pistons without Cade Cunningham. They've had all these games where Dame has had to bail them out late, where they've sort of been like going through the motions for the first, you know, three and a half quarters. And to me, like, this is a team that's championship or bust right yeah. now. Like, the Bucks' window is, like, this year and next year. And then beyond that, what does the Bucks' window look like, right? So they traded all these future assets to get Lillard in the building this year. You do that to win the championship right away. And it proved that Griffin was going to be a bad coach immediately. They started six and four. Even before the year started, he made Terry Stotts quit. Because, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, Stotts didn't like, you know, there's basically one practice interaction that's been reported. Certainly there was more than that that hasn't gotten out yet. Uh, but I think, like, you could see the Bucks sort of starting to crack. Uh, Giannis went on that rant about how, like, the equipment manager needs <laughs> yeah. to wash their clothes better. He also their defense the sucks. Their defense the coaches need to coach better. So, yeah, that's the thing. Like, the Bucks defense which was typically elite under Budenholzer, now sucks. And they're like 20th in the league or something like that. But they've also had a ton of shooting luck. So like, theoretically, you know, with average shooting luck, they'd be like 27th in the league, which is crazy because Brooke Lopez last year was a serious candidate for defensive player of the year. I would say Giannis is on the short list of the best defensive players in the NBA, though it seems like he has slipped a little bit this year. Obviously, the big offseason change is you sub out the best perimeter defender of this generation in Drew Holiday for the worst perimeter defender <laughs> of this generation in Damian Lillard. I thought that was a trade the Bucks absolutely had to make, but because they made it so late, it just put them in a spot where they couldn't really build the rest of the team to get the proper defensive personnel around Lillard. They're trying to make Malik Beasley their wing stopper. I think anyone with a pulse knew that wasn't going to work. He has been shooting uh, great from three for them, at least. Oh, yeah. He's like the best three point shooter in the league. Ball. He's a dead eye shooter, but he's yeah. not a wing stopper. Give me a no. break, Adrian Griffin. Then you got them trying to play Andre Jackson, who I believe was a second round pick this year out of UConn. Uh, you know, real minutes is their point of attack defender. So, you know, they're in a tough spot. I would love to give them Javon Carter, who I was so psyched about when the Bulls signed him. Javon Carter stinks. terrible for the He's Bulls. so bad. So bad. So, listeners, I'm sorry that I led you astray by saying I thought Javon Carter would be really good. Hoodwinked. <laughs> All of my Javon Carter takes could not have been worse this year. So, he's been trash. Uh, get him out of here, Bulls. I mean, you owe him $7 million the next two years. So, if they could trade him and send him to Milwaukee, maybe that is a deal Milwaukee would still want to take. But uh, I love this from the Bucks because Griffin wasn't good enough. They had the record to, like, convince themselves that, you know, oh, let's keep riding this yeah. out. It's not fair to fire him yet. But, like, realistically, you got two years to win the championship. It's this year and next year. And after that, who knows what's up with Lopez? Who knows what's up with Middleton? Uh, Middleton has clearly fallen off. How Damon's yeah. uh, uh, ages, too. So uh, I love it. I just wish they were hiring anyone but Doc. Because I'd love <laughs> to see Giannis get another ring. I think Kenny Atkinson would be a better hire for them. I it was think. reported as a candidate if Doc falls through. Kenny Atkinson, yeah. Warriors assistant right now. How about Terry Stotts? Yeah. You know, Stotts quit. Maybe he should have been the head coach. All I feel along. like that was the assumption was going to be like, oh, like if Griffin's gone, maybe they're going to bring Stotts back into the fold. And he, obviously he's got the long history with Dame. But um, yeah. What know. a slap in the face that would be to Griffin. But, <laughs> no. uh, you know, kudos to the Bucks. Because they're like one of the smallest market teams in the league and they are acting like a big market team. 
they're saying, you know, we got a good record. We, you know, traded all our assets to get this championship team in place. We got Giannis on an extension and we want to win the championship. Anything less than the championship is a failure. So that's the way a championship organization behaves. It doesn't mean they're going to win the title. If they hire Doc, they're probably not going to win the title because Doc is a terrible playoff coach. But Celtics was owing him again. How funny would it be, Jason, if the Bucks beat the Sixers in the playoffs <laughs> with Doc Rivers coaching? That'd be crazy. Bucks, I think Philly would burn down. It would be beautiful. So, <laughs> um, crazy stuff, Jason. Yeah. Speaking of the Bucks, though, as well. Rumors coming out that they're they're trying to get in the DeJounte Murray sweepstakes. I have no idea what how they, they could trade. Yeah, like unless like they're like what what they would what could they trade that the Hawks would involve? Like, I feel like they would have to be a third or fourth team involved in there because like they're not obviously Giannis, they're not trading low Giannis and Dame, obviously not low like they're they're not trading Lopez to get Murray. Like, no way. Middleton, like, would they trade Middleton? For, to get Murray, but like, what what, what would the Hawks want that? Like, what what is Chris Middleton doing for this mediocre like Hawks team? Like, like he's just he's kind of falling off. So like, and the Bucks have like no picks. Like the Heat, the Hawks aren't going to take like Bobby Portis and Pat Connaughton, like and like nothing and but whatever, like another young guy like was Marjan Bochamp or whatever, whatever young guys they have. Like it just doesn't seem like there's a fit there. But like, it is kind of interesting, I guess that. And it came out like Chris Haynes reported like big breaking with a big breaking news banner on his Twitter. Oh, the Bucks are want to get into the DeJounte Murray mix. And like theoretically, like if Murray was like there, like to be a defensive guy again, I think his defense might not be as good as his rep, but like would probably be an upgrade on what they have. Uh, that could be interesting. But again, I just don't know how that trade works, how that happens. Again, I feel like you'd have to get other teams involved there. I don't want to say never, never, never say never with the NBA, but I just don't see how that happens. But again, I think they they realize the sense of urgency with this Griffin trade, getting into the the Murray mix, even if it's whatever, even if it is a leverage thing or if they're just whatever, getting desperate and just trying to do it. They realize that we need to get better. We need to win now. Like they're going to do anything they can uh, to try to win now. Um, that's what you have to do if you're trying to win championships. You do whatever it takes. And uh, again, I do would not expect them to end up trading for Shante Murray, but I also did not re- think that they were going to get Damian Lillard. So like, who knows, man? But it'll be interesting to see how where the Bucks go. Uh, the Bulls have played the Bucks really well this season. And I think some, we we like calling them the fraud Bucks because yeah, again, at, while they were 30, 30 and thirteen, like clearly not as good as the record. And the Bulls have been very competitive against them. I think they played three times. They beat them in overtime. They lost them in overtime, and then one of the other games was close for uh, for much of the or towards the end. So like, uh, they just don't seem like that good, and they should be better. So we'll see if if it is Doc Rivers if he makes them a better team and they'd look more convincing as a title contender. Because right now I think Celtics are clearly the best team in the East. Uh, the Bucks have a good record and the Bucks probably have the talent to win the East, but, and the Sixers are there too with the way Embiid's playing. And if the Sixers make any moves, like uh, clearly some top, some top level teams there in the East, but uh, so it'll be a gauntlet for sure, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. So um I think we've covered basically everything we need to. I guess, Alex, well, one last thing, Alex Caruso, on the 41-player pool list for USA Basketball, uh, I think we made jokes about that uh, when LeBron was talking about his putting a dream team together this summer for the Olympics, that, hey, maybe like Caruso can be like their last man off the bench. Uh, he's just a defensive terror who will run around and just be a wild man out there in the Olympics. Caruso is part of that player pool. Zach Levine is not 
despite being a member of the last gold medal winning team uh, in the last Olympics. Zach Levine, not part of this player pool. DeMar DeRozan, not pl- part of the player pool either. So Alex Caruso, I believe, was the only bull on that list. So that was kind of interesting, but good for Alex Caruso. That'd be awesome if he did go to the Olympics. I ultimately don't think he will be, but cool to be a part of that group anyways. So good for him. I don't know if you have any take any thought, a quick take on that before we wrap up. But I don't think Caruso is going to make that roster because I think that roster is going to be a little too stacked. But man, the way Caruso is shooting the ball lately, why not take Caruso? I mean, are you going to take Caruso or Drew Holiday? You know what I mean? Like that might be uh, what they have to think about. And you would think Holiday would get the nod there with his experience and just the fact that he's been so much better as an overall player. But uh, yeah, cool to see AC on that list. I also noticed Zach wasn't on it and. It makes me think, Zach Levine, who wants you? Not the Bulls, not USA Basketball, not the Lakers, not the Sixers. Does anyone want him? Doesn't seem like it. That's not. And you met, last thing, you mentioned Caruso shooting. He's at 42% on 4.3 three-point attempts per game, uh, having a career shooting year. It's basically just a knockdown shooter at this point. He had another clutch three against the Raptors. He had five threes. Uh, against the Suns yesterday, I think it was like five of eleven from three. Like, yeah, dude is just shooting the hell out of the ball this season. And like, obviously, that just makes him so valuable. In addition to the defense, if he keeps up the shooting, like, again, go work that trade market. Bulls, Alex Crusoe is awesome. I love the guy. Uh, I wish he was on a good Bulls team, but the Bulls are mid still. And go try to get some trade assets for him. So that's going to do it for us here on this episode of Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. As always, shout out to the Blue Wire Network. I feel like what we're doing here at Cash, we have so many other great podcasts all across the Blue Wire Network. So, so go check some of them out. Tons, Not only NBA, tons of other sports as well. For us here at Cash, please rate and review us. Give us those five-star ratings or whatever rating you want to give us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, all those good places. Um, you can follow me and Ricky on Twitter or X or whatever the hell you want to call that place at this point. I'm at Bulls underscore J. Ricky is at SB underscore Ricky. Go check out Ricky's work at SBNation.com. Please also go check out ClutchPoints.com as well. Again, coming up here, next Bulls game is Thursday night against the Los Angeles Lakers. LeBron James not playing tonight against the Clippers with an ankle injury. I think it's an ankle injury. He's listed as day-to-day. I would assume he's going to play in this Bulls game on Thursday night. Um, I hope he does. I would love to see the, the Bulls take the Lakers on and mostly full strength. That'd be a fun game. It's a l- late game. I believe that's a 930 Chicago time start. So if you're going to stay up late, watch Bulls Lakers. I know I'm going to definitely be doing that for sure. Um, hopefully it'll be a fun game. The Bulls smoked the Lakers last time. Uh, Lakers have played a little better lately. They've gotten some better wins, but uh, we will see. Obviously, again, a lot of stuff with the Lakers in the trade deadline. Um, we'll see if Zach is there on the bench. Uh, we'll see. It should be a fun game at Crypto.com Arena. So that's going to do it again for here. Cash Considerations at Chicago Bulls Podcast. We will talk to you guys next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.